you have a Bible there in your home this evening, I want to invite you to turn to John 13, the gospel reading in which we just heard. Um, Lord willing, you can hear me, and I assure you there are no wood chippers outside the door tonight. <laughs> there are really two directions that we typically go on Monday, Thursday as preachers from the lectionary. Typically, the one direction is the sacrament, the institution of the Lord's Supper. Uh, that's the first direction, the dominical sacrament in which the Lord gives his disciples in, um, in the Gospels. Amazingly, though, John's focus is on the ladder tonight, and the ladder is really this foot washing. Uh, Jesus stooping to do what he does. And so that's our focus, that's where I'm heading um, it is, so I guess where we begin tonight is really in our minds and in our hearts getting the gravity of this situation. This, remember, is the night by which Jesus is going to be crucified the next day. So this is the night before Jesus is crucified. The weightiness of this night could not have been more apparent with Jesus. And so... Perhaps it's, it's really beginning with this question. If you were given one final night with your friends or your family, and you knew you were going to be put to death the next day, the question would be, what would you do? What would you do? We uh, might go out to a very nice dinner, uh, obviously not in the midst of a pandemic because that's not possible, uh, but there may be a meal by which we gravitate to that we want to have one final time. It may be some desirable entertainment that we love, that we want to do. It may be just spending a quiet evening at home, perhaps a more intimate dinner with friends and family over oysters, over a low country seafood boil, or perhaps a supersized tomato pie. <laughs> Whatever it may be, Jesus does eat a meal. We see that. But it is what he does and what he says at this meal that makes the difference in your life and in mine. And so in order to bring the power of Jesus' actions into our generation, we, we have to see the significance of what he did. And that can be difficult because foot washing in our culture, is very foreign. In fact, many of us would, would just rather wash our own feet. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's weird. It's, it's odd. It can be difficult. It's, it's just foreign. We just typically have not done this. But it was not foreign to Jesus and his disciples. And this is really the gem of the text. Because Jesus' act was powerful not because of the foot washing in and of itself, but because of the role that he was assuming by doing it. To sweep a floor, to wash a toilet is commonplace. We do these things. But for the Queen of England to come into your home and sweep your floor and to clean your toilet would just be upsetting. Not because cleaning is significant, but because the queen is doing it. So here we have the person of Jesus, the creator of the universe, the son of God. This is Emmanuel. It is Christ, Lord, 
master the word that is tied to this lowly role that brings power to this image. And you see that here in the text, don't you? You heard it tonight. You look at verse 6 and following. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, what? Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. I think Peter helps us to see how shocking this deed must have seemed. The depth of his devotion to Jesus defines the strength of his objection. Peter saw only that the one he revered as Lord and Master was taking the place of a slave to serve him. And he didn't like it. And Jesus' answer to him and to us through this act is this. If I do not wash you, you have, what? No share with me. This is a parable in action. So what does it mean? Is this just a a lesson of servant leadership? Is this just a lesson of humility, that pride is not a Christian virtue? The foot washing is all of those things. But it was also far more than that. Remember the gravity of these moments. Remember, this is where we opened. This is the night. This is the night. Over and over, our liturgy reminds us, this was the night. It is the night before Jesus is crucified. This foot washing is being done in the shadow of the cross, which brings to bear the sense of spiritual cleansing. Both the foot washing, this parable in action, and Christ's atoning death are supreme displays of Jesus' love for his own. The foot washing was shocking to Jesus' disciples, but not as half as shocking as the notion of a Messiah who would die the hideous and shameful death of crucifixion, the death of the damned, the revered, the exalted Messiah assumes the role of the despised servant for the good of others. That plus the notion of cleansing explains why this foot washing can point so effectively to the cross of Christ. So see this. Feel this tonight. It is these two acts that bind the Christian in love for his neighbor. One empowers you to act. One sets your feet on solid ground in order to love like Jesus loved. The cross of Christ enables you to love people like this. It's impossible for us to imitate the lowly role of Jesus unless we have a clear understanding of what he has done for us. So dare I say tonight that you will never understand Monday, Thursday unless you understand the full extent of what happened on Good Friday. John understands this logic. 
and the presidents of it, which is why he said in 1 John 4, this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, since he has so loved us, what? We also ought to love one another. You hear it? Without a a prior life-consuming experience of God's love for us, we will be singularly ill-equipped to love anyone else like this. So how are we to love like this? Well, first of all, we are commanded to love like this. We are to stoop lowly. We are to be servant leaders, to emulate, to ooze humility, to have the words of John the Baptist on our lips always. We desire for Christ to increase as we what? As we decrease. Commanded to love like this. Verse 14, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washing your feet, you also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example. Verse 34, here it is, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Though it may be simple, though it may be memorable, anyone that's tried it recognizes its challenge. Love requires selflessness and sacrifice and It demands that we put others before ourselves to give up time, resources, even our own lives for the sake of others. Good. Love is neither what we're inclined to do or to think about doing apart from the grace of God. Jesus recognized the disciples' propensity towards self-love and the challenge to love others. So not only did he leave them with a command, he left them with an illustration. Brothers and sisters, such a time as this, isn't it? For us to love like Jesus, to be the hands and feet of Christ this Monday, Thursday, in the midst of a pandemic, may the church love like this. And although fear can threaten to flood our hearts and tempts us to hoard and insulate ourselves, Scripture anchors our hope in a God who is greater than the pain we endure in this life. History reveals how more than storms we must weather, there are windows of opportunity to minister in times of calamity. In doing so, we testify to the truth that the world is not our home. We are citizens of another. Therefore, church, this is our time. It's our time to rise up through the power of the cross and the Holy Spirit to love like this. May we live to love at any cost. And may God bless this message in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.